What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you can find anywhere. And you're listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing podcast network in America. So I appreciate you listening, and you can subscribe to this daily podcast via iTunes and the Android app. And let's just get right into it. I'm here with my colleague, Keith Rording from Packer Report. I could lament the fact that we both have about two and a half, three hours sleep. That's mine. I think Keith has less. Well, the Packers beat the Giants 23-16 to exactly the way we thought it would play out, right, Keith? Oh, my gosh. I don't, I don't know what we were watching for, for most of three hours last night, Bill, but I do know that you and I both said that our biggest area of concern was the Packers secondary and that was before we knew Randall was going to be a, a game time scratch so how those guys held it together I mean I, I thought after the, the week that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. had that this was going to be a, a get right game and, and he was going to toast them for maybe 150 yards and a couple scores but clearly that didn't happen. It's why I love the NFL because you can think you know what's going to happen but you don't. You know, you can watch an NBA game and you have a good idea how the NBA game's going to play out, and it probably is. You know, the same with baseball. If a, if a good pitcher's going to pitch, you know, that's probably how it's going to shake out. You know, I, I, I thought Green Bay would win 34 to 27, and then they rule out Randall. I thought, shoot, they're, they're going to go 45 tonight. Well, it wasn't 45. Oh, yeah. there, was, there wasn't 45 okay. points scored total. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, I, I feel like it really shows you just how close the talent level truly is in the NFL. Yeah. You don't know from one week to the next. It's hard to even pick winners, let alone decide how the game is going to play out. And I mean, there's there's few sure things. I, I think we saw Tom Brady come back, so that that's probably something we can bank on week in and week out. But man, I don't know. I how do we how do we feel about Aaron Rodgers? We liked him in the first half. We neither of us thought they went especially conservative in the second half against Detroit. That was just kind of how the game played out. But man, I just some of those throws last night. I don't know what was going on though. Well, where do you start? Um, those two or three short short checkdowns slash screens to James Starks, which were, you know, one was, you know, 10 yards to his left, it looked like, on the replay, and then screen passes at his ankles. It was, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's James Starks' fault or if that's Rodgers' fault, but, uh, God, it was unbelievable. It, 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 the offense can look so good for a few moments. And then it looks like it's, you know, the third day of eighth grade football practice. <laughs> I know. How does a team that has so much talent on paper, that has all these Pro Bowl caliber guys, that has MVP caliber guys, at times, like you said, look like they simply don't know what they're doing. Like it's their first week playing together. With James Starks, we talked about this walking out of the stadium last night, Bill. I don't know if you just... As a running back, you get to a certain age and you roll out of bed and you just can't do it anymore. But James Starks was a 
big part of why they even made the playoffs last year with the struggles that he led. He was having, and two years ago he was leading the league in, in average yards per carry or per touch. I forget what it was over eight yards a, over eight yards every time he had the ball. He doesn't look like that player. He just there there was one play certainly where he did, and you know he burst through the I mean, he burst up the line and there was nothing there, and he bounced it to his right and ran for the first down towards the sideline. That looked like the old James Starks, but that play is, has been few and, and far between so far this season. Yeah, I don't. That's. I mean, look with, with Eddie Lacy's ankle. Starks is a Starks selling becomes a really big deal. But you're right. Yeah, uh, in 2013, he led the NFL in yards per carry. Last year, he led the yard league in in yak per catch. It, you know, he seems like he just wants to bounce everything, and that's. I mean, he's not, he's not fast enough to do that, and. I mean, there, there are no other options. I, I don't. I don't know where they go. Um, besides a lot of rehab for Eddie Lacy's ankle this week. But you're, I, I, he's averaging 1.8 yards per carry, and you know, for the first three games, he was averaging 0.8. And you're thinking, well, Major has, hasn't had many chances. Well, last night he got 12 carries, and it, 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 it didn't. Yeah, it didn't work last night either. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know where to go from here if, if you're the Packers. But besides hope and pray that Eddie Lacy's ready to go. Well, I think so, and and again. With the way the injury designation has changed for this year, John Crockett would be an option. He knows the offense. I think he could step up and take a bigger role. I think we both felt good about him at the end of preseason. But you can't bring a guy back until week eight. Yeah, I think I think it's eight games. I think I think is the rule there. So they're a little ways away there. So it's uh, yeah, you know, it's you know, if Starks was terrible, I you know, <laughs> I that last drive. I told you this coming out. The, the Packers come out on offense with Starks, and I go to I sit next to Rob Domofsky. I, I don't sit next to Keith, folks. I sit next to Rob Domofsky from ESPN. I go to Rob, watch James Starks fumble. <laughs> First down play, fine. He he bounces it to he bounces it to the right for no reason whatsoever, loses the yard. Second play, passes Starks. He stumbles and fumbles. It's like good grief, I called that one. So it's uh, but. At least Eddie Lacy is going again. He he he. I looked like Eddie Lacy last night. I know oh we can kind of is, is oh he back? Gosh. Is he back? He was back last night. That was a great performance. That run where he came through the line just like a runaway rhino, <laughs> knocking guys, rolling guys, bouncing guys, goes to the sideline, and then he's got a linebacker chasing him, and just with one arm, just throws the guy to the ground on the sideline. I mean, that's a. You know that's a, a beast mode sort of move, and that is that is vintage. That is that is the Eddie Lacy everybody has been waiting for it that we started to see in the last game when he averaged six yards a carry. But it was phenomenal, and you know what? You could hear that crowd after that play, mm-hmm. Eddie, Eddie, and it got loud, and, and he heard it. He was, you know, he gave a yell up to the sky after that play, and, and that was great to see. They need more of that, and. When you see him do that, then it's even more concerning when he has to come out of the game. Yeah, then then, then that, and he gets the ball the next play. I think he had like six yards on it, but he stiff arm number thirty three to the ground. Well, just vicious, yeah. wham! Oh yeah. So you're right. I mean the the crowd is. I mean he's. I guess it's easy to chant Eddie because you can't chant Coon anymore. But those. I mean the, those runs by Lacey get the crowd going like nothing else. It's. Uh, this is what this is what they were hoping to get, and I, you know I, I don't know if he's any smaller than he was last year. He, he's still a huge person, but those workouts have helped him from that. He is just so darn explosive now. Well, and and he is such a 
guy. But again, to me, it it, it looks better distributed. It, it looks like two years ago. I mean, we see him in pads, Bill, and then we we see him in the locker room where he's just wearing you know jeans and a t-shirt. But I do feel like last year, you know, he was definitely a, a little more rotund in the middle, and, and you don't see that. He just he looks like that thick, athletic guy that he did from two years ago. And and he's also, I think, being a young guy, and you know, we've talked about this, maybe not a guy that football is the, the end-all, be-all for him. That said, when he hears that crowd chanting and his teammates are getting all jacked up, he's still like a guy, and that's a huge motivator for him. So to see him do that, and you know, the Packers as a team at one point before the kneel downs had 150 yards rushing and over four and a half yards of carry, so you love to see that. And I mean, Mike, my goodness, even Aaron Riptowski on I was a yardage burst up the middle, pushing the pile for 13 yards. That play got the crowd all surged up, too. Have you ever seen a play like that? I asked three I asked three of the linemen that last night, and Lang said maybe four or five yards. No, he, and he's been around here for, what, eight years now? He can never remember anything like that. Have you ever seen a play like that anywhere? No, and, and it was the, the weird thing about it is it seemed like he hit it so fast Nobody was in any kind of breakdown position. Everybody was standing up almost upright, and he hit it with such power that then when you have the Packers' offensive line pushing, everybody's just, you know, it's like, like when you get a you know a big group of people and everybody's just shoving. It takes a while before people fall down if everybody's standing upright. But I, I don't think I've seen anything like that where such a big group just surged ahead. And it wasn't like it was you know, grinding a step here and a step there, it was a big pile of men just moving towards the Giants' end zone in a hurry. I, I don't know what football looked like in the 1930s. I think that's probably what it looked like, though. <laughs> but, you know, back before they threw the ball and everything, and it was just, you know, men men were men, and, you know, they wore leather helmets, and, you know, not to sound like John Madden, but men were men, and they were boom, and I think that's probably what football was like back then. I don't know, but it was like a snow, it was like a snowplow. Yeah, we might have seen some grainy footage of that at the uh, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, though. I don't know, I don't yeah. know, maybe, maybe right before that game got canceled, uh, we, we might have been able to watch some grainy footage of a similar play, but yeah, that was, I mean, what's not to like about that? I think, you know, as we as we look closer, the Packers just owned it on both sides of the line. I mean, they owned it with plays like that where they were just dominating the Giants' front. And then again, what this team continues to do on the defensive front is is absolutely stunning. And you had you had Latroy Guy back, and it didn't take him long to get in the thick of things with a batted down pass. And I mean, man, oh man, they you know it wasn't quite holding him to you know, the, the 1.8 yards per carry that they had established, but it wasn't too far off of that either. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right about the line play. The Giants entered the game ranked third in yards per carry allowed, and Green Bay did that to them. And then the Giants averaged 2.9 last night. That is the, the worst run defense of the year by the Packers. 2.9 is the worst they've done. Which is crazy, because three is impressive. And, and in fact, and it wasn't the team, the, the second best run defense so far this year was averaging, giving up three yards a carry. Right. So the fact that the Packers were more than a yard under that was just, it's hard to even fathom. I went to pro football reference last night for my post-game numbers piece, and Green Bay's averaging 1.99 yards against right now. That is the best of the Super Bowl era through four games, and it's the best since like 1950-something. 
That was the um, rushing yards allowed. That was of a hundred and yeah, whatever the number is. Here, I actually have in front of me. There, no, this is when I need like the the elevator music. Hundred and seventy-one yards through four games, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. That is the second fewest rushing yards allowed by a team through four games since the NFL began compiling individual stats in nineteen ninety-three. That was the nineteen ninety-five forty-niners allowed one hundred and fifty-seven. So when you're talking, when you when you have to go back 80 years to find one team better than what Green Bay's doing, that's pretty good context. It's it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. But the big butt now coming. Dallas is coming to town, right? You know, and we talked about the. I I am still not sold, and I know you are. We'll talk. And I'm still not sold on this front defense being this great juggernaut. You know, Jacksonville's got no O line. Minnesota had no O-line because Peterson wasn't doing anything before or after that game. Or not obviously not after, but before that game, he hadn't done much. Um, Detroit's O-line is no going to have no running back. And then the Giants, from you know, boy, that's a bad line. And, it, and they're, they're using their number three running back, you know, whoever Orleans Dark was. Um, well, that's, that's their, that was their running back. So, at least a week, Bill, but that, that tells you something about my game. <laughs> so that's... So I guess I'm still going to wait and see. You know, I'm not saying they're it's it's a it's a mirage or anything, but I guess I'm waiting and see to see that it's like super good. But it's unbelievable because you know it's like every play, you know, Mike Daniels and Latroy Guy or whoever there there are guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage all the time, and that's the impressive thing. But I guess we'll find out against Dallas, against that running back and that O line, and and even more so. You know what? What about the secondary? You know, we we start off this podcast talking about how we thought that was going to be the big problem, and look at the way the secondary held up, and look at how they kept Beckham Jr. in check. I mean, can can they do that again? I think we expect Demarius Randall to be back. Who knows when Shields is going to be coming back? But I liked what I saw for the most part out of Rollins. Micah Hyde had a really strong game. I mean, I, I feel like that group is being able to feed off the pressure that the front's getting, and, and isn't that how it always works? It's kind of how I thought it should have worked the last few weeks, which is kind of mystifying why the pass defense is so bad. Because run defense is so good, it was always second and third and long, and you know, goodness knows they can rush the passer with all those guys. So that's, that was why the big surprise to me why the, the pass defense was so bad. Well, finally, sure. here we go. Beckham, five catches out of 12 targets. Sterling Shepard, two catches out of seven. Victor Cruz, zero out of two. So that's seven catches out of 21 targets. That's a 33% completion percentage to his wide receivers. That is, I mean, who, would have, who would have thought that with Ladarius Gunter, Quinton Rollins, and, and Micah Hyde? Not me. Oh, oh no kidding. And, and I'll tell you what, when, when we look at the, the targets and the fact that, that OBJ pulled in less than half of those, some of those passes too, I mean, we, we were getting on Rodgers earlier. Some of those passes for Manning. Behind him, way in front of him, beyond his grasp to the sideline. I mean, he, there were there were a lot of balls thrown his way that weren't really what you'd call catchable. But you know, that said, Rollins, I, I think the game plan was to keep him in front of him, and they certainly did that. And there was that play where Beckham came on the reverse, and he was looking to throw downfield, and Hyde snipped it out. I think Martinez was chasing him. Hyde came up, gave him up hard shove out of bounds that, you know, initially they ruled as a, a 
tackle out of bounds and then said that uh, it was a, a six-yard sack loss. But, you know, if there was a spot where we thought that he was going to jump up and have a reaction and, you know, maybe lose control of his emotions like, like we've seen so far this year, he hopped up and he put both hands in the air and shook his head no, and and that was that. And then, of course, the, you know, we did get the touchdown at the end of the game, and, and even that wasn't poorly defensed. I think Kaha Clinton-Dix was right there. LBJ just made a, a leaping grab at the back of the end zone. And, you know, Bill, I was sitting up there watching the replay. I I really thought when they broke it down and, and did the freeze frame that his foot was ever so slightly on that back line out of the end zone. But I think with a, with a call like that, you know how that goes. If it's not definitive, and, and Ed Hockey Lee said that, you know, there wasn't a clear shot to overrule it. So I guess he gets, uh, you know, he gets one more highlight catch for the resume. Um, Keith has that story at PackerReport.com. It's a great read. You should go to it's uh it's, it's it's a free story. It's not for our subscribers. So go to PackerReport.com and check it out. Got some great political undertones there. So a, a, a tremendous story there with with Keith. Something else exciting going on last night, Bill. I don't know. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'll be interested to see the ratings of that. But that that's a whole other political conversation which you don't need to. But it, it's it's. It's turned into a, like WWE wrestling over there. It's just that political stuff is just. The, the, the only thing we can say definitively is that the Packers won last night's last night's showdown. <laughs> and, uh, as far as who won anything else, that's for that's for other people to decide. So, but anyway, yeah, check out Keith's story over at PackerReport.com, and that he he breaks down the unbelievable pass defense last night, which uh, none of us predicted. Um. God, what I was gonna, what was I going to here? I should, this is this is the part where I'm hit stop and, and edit out this portion of the podcast until I can figure out where I was in my notes. Um, this is what happens with these awful night games where <laughs> we get two or three hours of sleep. Yeah, um, yeah, we're talking to Keith offline. Um, I, I was in I was in bed for three, not in sleep form. Darn kids are blah, 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 blah. And I, my, my Isaac wanted to watch the game. Well, you got to go to school, and he's just crying in his bedroom and. <laughs> Good grief! That that was a game that you you were okay going to going to bed not knowing the outcome. That was just a that, that was a bit of a it was a bit of a slow moving game. You just you didn't know what was going to happen. And gosh, when they finally made it twenty three sixteen, even then there was there was enough time left there. I mean, it was it was worth getting a little bit concerned about. Unfortunately, the the defense came through again. But. Yeah, and Randall Cobb had a great night, and I. I I did three interviews with uh, like Sirius and other people, and everyone's asking, "When, how, when are they going to get Cobb going? When are they going to get Cobb?" I'm sure, I'm sure they're uh, Randall Cobb must be on their fantasy team, <laughs> but Cobb, Cobb had a great night, and that catch that he had—it was late in the game. It was it was fourth, kind of early fourth quarter yet, but third and nine, they throw a short pass to Cobb. He's still seven yards short of the first down marker. He breaks three tackles. And then we, you know, we're talking about the old lineman going downfield to block for Rubikowski, but then he, he breaks those tackles, and then Lane Taylor and J.C. Treader show up to block the rest of the guys out of the way. Ends up getting 17 in the first down. It's well, I, I, it, it was the fantastic play. It was, you know, if, if you can't execute, you can always have effort. And I thought that was oh, to yeah. me was the takeaway of last night's game. Is you know what the execution wasn't always there, but they fought their. ASSES was off last night, and they made the plays, and a lot of it was just extra effort plays, and, and, and you know that, that's a, probably a pretty good formula. Absolutely, I mean, 
and again, I think you see Lacey doing that sort of thing. You don't expect to see the the you know five foot ten, two hundred pound Randall Cobb breaking tackles and bouncing off guys. And you know, I think he, I, unless I'm thinking of a different play, he may have even busted on a little little spin move in the course of picking up those extra yards. But I mean, I felt like there, you know, that play, the Ripkowski play, you know, Lacey breaking it for extra yards. Those were really some of the signature plays of last night's game on offense. And, and like you said, it was guys giving that extra effort, and that's definitely what that game called for. But it was great to see. I mean, it's taken him a while to get on track, and certainly everybody was questioning, you know, what's wrong with Randall Cobb. You know, that, that was kind of the secondary story to what's wrong with Demarius Randall. But it was great to see him get on track, and also great to see him get up after a, a really brutal hit when – I don't know how they define defenseless receiver, but he was falling to the ground. And that's a play where you'd like to see the defensive back, you know, do that dive over the top of the guy. And, man, I don't know, you know, was that 31 or 33? I'm, I'm looking at my – It was uh, Landon Collins. Um, Landon Collins, 21. 21, yeah. And he, he came up and just – I don't think it was, it was helmet to helmet, but he put a shoulder right to the back of Randall's neck and, and the – back of his helmet and, and it just it looked bad man that is you don't want to see anybody get hit like that and, and he laid there for you know a couple of minutes so it's kind of a scary play you know the good news there though and i you know in both with you know lacy's ankle as well lacy and cobb at least talked to us after the game and usually if you're hurt and it's significant you know you're, you're not going to see him so I, I thought that was probably the you know probably the best thing of all with, with cobb is you know he was there to talk to us in the locker room for about good 10 minutes last night so Oh, yeah, he seemed fine, certainly. Yeah, he seemed, yeah, relatively speaking there. Um, you, you talk about signature moments. None of those on special teams. That was a horror show. They, they need to get a punter here ASAP. Can you punt, Keith? Can your kids punt? I'm not, I'm not much worse, and I'm much cheaper. I'll, <laughs> I'll, throw, I'll throw that out there. Yeah, that was, man, that was, that was some kind of awful. Is, is Tim Assay still in town? I mean, for, for real, like... Would Ted Thompson swallow his pride and make that call? Because I don't know. I mean, if they picked him up for game time and directional punting, the the direction I'm seeing is <laughs> short and you know not too high. That's that's not really what you're looking for. And yeah, the re, the returns were ridiculous. There there were a couple times where you know literally there were one play I think Janice came across and maybe Chris Banjo too, and those plays looked like they could have gone. The distance. Yeah, back to Shum. Um, this is how bad it was last night. He he had one, <laughs> he had one punt that looked pretty good, and I go, you know, we're saying, oh, there's a good punt, and we get up looking. It was a 39 yard punt with like 4.3 seconds of hang time. So it's like, wow, this is the the standard of it. It's a 39 yard punt we're, we're considering a good punt. It's uh, you know, I I was a big critic of this move when it happened because I, I looked at the the guys' stats in Tampa. He averaged. Like forty-one point nine yards a punt with Tampa last year, and I thought, if you can, if you can't average forty-two yards in Tampa in the warm weather, what in the hell are you going to do in Green Bay in December? And this is last night. I mean, Shum averaged thirty-six and a half yards a punt on a chilly October night. It's going to get a lot worse. I mean, if you can't handle this, and this is the best you can do in October, you can't hack it. No, I, I couldn't agree more, Bill. And I, I, I also was very critical of this move. I didn't understand it. I thought Massey had, had definitively beat out Mortel through summer. 
he was he had right. five of the did he have the top five uh, franchise hunting net averages? I yeah. Mean, to me, to me, that's the number. But then you also have to layer in the context of where are you punting? You're punting in wind. You're punting in cold. You're punting in rain. You're punting in snow. You're punting a ball that's wet. You're punting a ball that's mostly frozen. You have to layer that in to your evaluation when you're looking at just the numbers, which I thought were impressive enough on their own. So for, for all the people that you know thought Massey was, was a problem in the past, which apparently included Ted Thompson, what are they thinking now? Yeah, not good. Um, yeah, you, you, you mentioned return numbers last night. Dallas, four kickoffs, a 35-yard average. Green Bay, two for 21. And it's, and you're right. I remember Janice had a saving tackle. When, and then there's, you know, I remember another time that Janice missed a tackle, too. It was, yeah. you know, I, I, thought they're gonna, I thought this group was going to be fine now that they finally were all, kind of all systems go because, you know, they missed Banjo for a couple of games. They missed J. Ron Elliott for a couple of games. Janice played with one hand for a couple of games, but that, that was not good. They, they were fortunate. That the defense bailed them out. You know, I wrote this in one of the stories that Packer report. The Giants had drives starting at their 45, at their 41, at Green Bay's 40 after an interception, at their 39, and then at their 47 and 49. That's six drives of great field position, and the defense saved their bacon every time with three field goals. I thought maybe that to me was, you know, the biggest storyline of the night is the the field position was outlandish in the Giants' favor, and Green Bay's defense again and again and again held them off. Yeah, it really was. And, and again, when you make a punting move like that at the start of the year, everybody talks about field position. Everybody talks about you know being able to being able to you know flip that field. You you need to why make why make a move like that? Why make a move like that if you are? I mean, clearly they were confident at the time that that was going to be a move that was going to, going to improve. But it, I, I just, again, like you, Bill, I, I struggled to understand it then, and it certainly seems to not be panning out. I think we, we both would say that, you know, Ted Thompson is, you know, slow to cut bait when yeah. he makes a move like this. So I don't know if it's coming. I don't, I don't know how long of a leash this guy has. guess we're going to find out. You're right. Um, last thing, Keith, is what is your uh, what is your number one takeaway, star player, final thought on, on, on last night's game? Oh man, um, I love I love what Eddie Lacy did. I, I know he had the uh, the ankle at the end, but the way he's running with with the power, with the enthusiasm, with the passion that he's running with, I think that that is going to cure a lot as. Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and everybody else figures out a way to be consistent because we know the difference from being good to great isn't putting up big numbers for one game here and there or half a game. It's doing it week after week after week. I feel like what we're seeing is Lacey consistently playing at a high level, and I think that's going to have to carry the rest of the guys on offense until they catch up to them. So. I was really encouraged by Lacey. I don't see any reason why that's going to change. And you know, again, I think I think the defense is going to get a big test with with Dak Prescott, and you know, see seeing how that goes, seeing how you know a, a young guy that's you know playing with confidence and, and playing with a little bit of fearlessness, and you know, playing to playing to keep his job and be the next Dallas Cowboys quarterback. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think that is the big thing, too, with, with the state of that passing game. They're, they're going to have to ride Eddie Lacy until until Aaron Rodgers can figure it out. And when the hell is the last time you'd think he'd say that? But um, my big takeaway would be the, the Packers' pass defense. I mean, no, I'm not going out on, on a limb there. When I, when I come into a game figuring they're going to give up 45, and, and to do what they did, I, I thought that was impressive. And they, they have a lot of good quarterbacks on their schedule. I mean, it looks like maybe Dak Prescott is one of those good quarterbacks. I mean, you know how it is, Keith. If you can't play bass defense, you've got no chance in in the long run. So I guess that's my big takeaway is, you know what? Maybe they'll get this figured out and are going to end up with a really good defense after all. I think so, and, and it remains to be seen. Did Quinn Rollins earn himself a, a little bit bigger stake after last night's performance? And Ladarius Gunter, too, when Shields and Randall finally come back. What, what, I mean, what do you do with Gunter? I mean, he's got to play at some level, doesn't he? He's... I, I, I thought he'd be the problem last night, and he's a good player. But the Giants have some speed, and he I mean, he he got his share of snaps against Beckham too. He didn't, he didn't you know, a win for Ladarius Gunter of all people. It was a uh, a good night. So we'll we'll see if they can keep this up. A big game Sunday afternoon against the Dallas Cowboys. Keith, I will I will see you there. Can't wait, Bill. I'm glad it's not another night game. Oh, good grief! I'd say go get some sleep, but you have to go run East Bay right now. So uh, good luck with that. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Keith. See you Sunday. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.